so then. 14. We survived the 13th. We're now on to the 14th. This is episode 14 of FIA Goes PC. With me today, as always, our producer, Winifred Mock. Say hello. Hello. And our regular, our seasoned veteran of these here things. A guy that will probably be laughing on the floor very soon. Oh, good. That is the Urban Oracle, a.k.a. Shaq. Say hello. Hello there. Glad to be here once again and uh, ready to get started. Awesome. And as always, I am your host, Rebel Zen, a.k.a. Danny Hale. I mix it up with my name. It's always different every week. It just keeps people there. It's like the intro to The Simpsons when Bart's writing on the chalkboard. And that's a segue to our topic today, which is television series. See, see what I did there, Chef? Fantastic. Very good, wasn't it? Fantastic. I did a good job. Um, but before that, we have a little tiny bit to wrap up this week. I can start telling you about the horrors of Edison for 24 hours, which I was doing. Again, to get ahead of the schedule, which never happens in film, but you try. You do what you can. But we won't talk about that. Mm. No one needs to hear about that. Mm. What we will talk about is our day earlier this week. So we were finishing off, if you remember, our Stratford oversights. We were in your neck of the woods, weren't we? Yes, yes. We were in um, Hollywood Bowl, was it? Yeah, we were in the Hollywood Bowl. That's correct. That is your neck of the woods. I have to tell you that Shaq has the furthest to travel every day than anyone I've ever met. (laughs) Because uh, coming in from the Hollywood Bowl every day is, is pretty tough. Why don't you just get a local job in Hollywood? I don't understand. <laughs> I enjoy the travel, you know, the commuting, relaxing. I get to meet people, you know. I, yeah. like, I like doing that. Traveling across country. And I suppose, to to I suppose uh, you're the, the kind of person that, like, comes in and loses time mm. when I go to work. Mm. Quite a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, good seven hours. Yeah. Most uh, of the time I get there and then I have to make my travel back again. Yeah, well, that's the thing. At least you... By the time you've ended work, you get back over the same time you left. Mm, Very smart. Mm, mm. I see what you did there. Anyway, we're not obviously talking about the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> we're talking about another Hollywood Bowl, which is in Longbridge area. Well, Great Park in Rubri. Mm. Have you been there before? No. It's a bowling alley, people. <laughs> it's a play on words and it's a bowling alley. I have to set this up because yeah. people are thinking that we have an invitation Hollywood Bowl. No, there is only one. Mm. One real one, that is. Unless... And there's many of them dotted around places called Hollywood on Earth. Yeah. And if you have a bowl in Hollywood, I suppose you could say <laughs> that is that is a Hollywood bowl. A bowl being just a bowl with your cereal or soup. Yeah. My God, where's this going? So we were there. Um, we we've set something up. I wasn't actually going to say that. Okay. So bad. it's awesome that you have. Um, <laughs> we've now segued to that area because that's one of the things that could be seen as spoiler. But it won't be. Mm. Um, being confident. So we're in Longbridge, which is your neck of the woods. Yeah. We're in that area. We were at a few locations. Mm. First starting off at the Technical Technology Center, even. Te- technical mm. Technology Center. Technology Park. Or that. A park for technology. But it wasn't very... Mm. There wasn't a lot of technology mm. around, was there? No, really? there wasn't. More just like grass and a sign. <laughs> was exactly. Yeah, I think it's all hidden from people that probably don't want to mess... Maybe it's too innovative mm. for the world to see. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe our minds just can't 
understand it. Yeah. Can't comprehend. Maybe at night, the floor opens up and it is literally Ooh. the best theme park you've ever seen. <laughs> but it only happens when everyone's asleep. Yeah, yeah. Which, like all the technology just comes up from the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just comes, it just rises, has a breathe, yeah. a couple of uh, moments to breathe and then goes back. And Yeah, that's obviously what happens. Mm, mm. The, uh, the part of Longbridge that turns into a theme park at night. Wynn wants to say something, but she hasn't quite figured it out yet. It's very good. I wish you could all see this at home. It's really quite funny. These facial um, expressions are yeah, a yeah. little bit mad. <laughs> We're just trying to sell you the story here. But yeah, the tech part. We were actually finishing one of the early episodes off with uh, Pete, weren't we? Yeah. That's how it started yeah. off. Mm-hmm. And we had Weejo with us. who We will one day, very soon, drag onto this here podcast, I'm sure. So he can tell us about life. Mm-hmm. as a student mm-hmm. in this here town but yeah no the uh, tech pass was completed and that was good I, I feel like well we were we were chasing light really because by the time we are now so used to sort of like the mid-afternoon it's getting dark we are now hitting the uh, the winter months it's starting to be very much apparent mm-hmm. but we seem to cope we just got that clipping straight up to finish that episode off and it was fairly cold as well, eh? Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit cold, you know. It almost turned into an icicle, but uh, yeah, 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 it's fairly cold. Popsicle, yeah. A popsicle. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, that's how it is. And then we had a little nice walk down because from the area that we were filming that is uh, a couple of miles down the road is where uh, we filmed the next thing, which is mm-hmm. pretty much the cinema complex, Great Park in Rubri. Mm-hmm. And we stopped off by yours. You took us a nice yeah, tour of yours, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, um, everybody kind of hoarded inside my house, and uh, <laughs> my house was not clean in the slightest. So um, I had guests over, and I didn't realize I was going to have any. So um, I was kind of like rushing around trying to, you know, put things into place while um, everybody was. But everybody was really sound with it. Everybody was there. Uh, was okay with my um, house being a mess. So well, to be fair, I think uh, Pete. I've uh, seen worse. Well, I I don't <laughs> think Pete had ever, th- ever seen anything that clean in his life. <laughs> oh, God. Because it was, no, you guys have done a good job. It's a great little place you got there. And we used it, it's it's basically the art of filmmaking with uh, Guerrilla War, isn't it? Like you basically use what you can have. And that was our makeshift uh, makeup room for Pete. We had to do a face change. Yeah. <laughs> We're always trying to change his face, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to do something. So it's a change of face. It was a bit like one of those, um, you know, one of those mobile rooms where that you have in filming, where you need um, a room in order for the actor to have their uh, makeup done and you know have their sound checks and stuff like that, and it needs to be away from everybody. Get that done and then continue on. So that was that's what it was pretty much what it was. Yeah, basically a a permanent trailer or a. Green room that was conveniently where you lived. Mm. Mm. And we can all testify we didn't take a helicopter to get there, did we? <laughs> As you would have us believe. <laughs> but you do live above a subway. Yeah. So yeah. it must get noisy. Mm. Well, not really, because the subway is really, really dead most of the time. There isn't really too many customers in there, so um, it doesn't really get noisy at all. The most it gets noisy is when they decide to play music in there. That's not too often, and when it is, they turn it down, you know, every now and again. So it's not bad. It's not bad at all. You should, you should go down there. And this, by the way, we're talking subway to restaurant, not actually a subway. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. when it would really get noisy. Yeah, yeah wouldn't it? Uh, that would be, and living above it, that's, that's interesting. Um, but basically, like, the cool thing about that is what, what I recommend anyone who lives above a subway, and obviously mm. there's got to be at least five in the world mm. that do, at the restaurant, again, not a actual subway. 
Um, but yeah, if you have a noise problem, mm. you should make a deal with the manager mm. and you should say, you get, you can have the noise, you can have it as loud as you want, but every time it goes over a certain decibel count, I will take a photo. <laughs> I'm coming down for a free foot long. Oh God. You know the amount of times I tried to say to him, you know what, come on, we live upstairs. <laughs> Feed us. Feed us as well. You can't throw me a little so and he's like, no, get out. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, this is when they, they pull the hole when we pay rent too. So, uh, <laughs> tough, basically. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they appreciate the fact that right at the beginning when I was living there, I was using their Wi-Fi because I didn't have internet. Well... <laughs> Well, you've just admitted that to the world, and I'm oh. sure I'm sure they I'm sure I can cope. It was only for like two days. Yeah, Come on. no, we've we've all done stuff like that, especially when. Um, <laughs> yeah, she does that all the time. Um, uh, basically, um, what I was going to say is like the thing that I find funny about that situation is you are living what I would call the absolute foundation mm. for. A, after they were famous story because mm. basically if you imagine 10 years from now when you're basically you know when you're too rich to do this show and you just don't care anymore no, 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 I'm joking I'm joking I'm just setting this up when you turn into one of them chef when you, you got your own island and yeah. you know a palace and all this mm. we can find you mm. and we can go back to that subway mm. and we can knock on their door and we can say bet you wish you gave them a free foot long night <laughs> And that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I could have mentioned you guys. You know, yeah, you guys could have got. I could have sold you. What's your name? Yeah. Oh, too late, pal. Too, too late. late eh? Yeah, it's it crazy. Now, eh? You missed your chance. <laughs> so moving on from that crazy segue, uh, <laughs> we actually we ended up filming. Um, it's a quite a little famous spot. It's been, I think that the well locally famous for me. Um, it was the only cinema within you know, like a 10-mile radius when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But it's the Empire now. It used to be, I feel it was a virgin cinema at one point. It's been it's been different names and different guises throughout the years. It always mm. changes every almost five years. Almost it changes its ownership. Yeah. But it's a great place, and they've always been very accommodating, and they let us go in to film the cinema. Of course, we did not film <laughs> anything that was showing, because that's illegal, kids. Do yes. not do that. Do not do that called piracy mm-hmm. yeah we're in the age of pirates again <laughs> but uh they surf the web not the uh, sea anymore <laughs> uh, it's very different now see if one piece was about that and i'm just segueing because we are going into tv after this <laughs> one piece big anime show from japan mm-hmm. a lot of followers worldwide a lot mm-hmm. of people know what i'm talking about some of you haven't got a clue i suggest you do because otherwise this won't be funny but I'm going to say, if One Piece was about current day pirates, or even, hey, here you go, yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh-huh. If it was Pirates of the Internet, yeah. no one would watch it. How boring would that be? Actually, people would watch it, but they'd pirate it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so they would. You're yeah, actually right. It would actually be an experience that keeps on giving. Yeah. Fully interactive. Yeah. <laughs> so if they ever did Pirates of the Internet, the movie, mm-hmm. you would probably pirate it and torrent mm-hmm. it and sell it to the world. But you shouldn't. Because yeah. it's now illegal and it's been heavily policed and we're giving that disclaimer because we're all in film <laughs> and we don't want you to steal our stuff. We'll give it you free, but that's why you have competition. See? I mean, exactly. It's future, it's future thought. No, I'm joking. Um, we've spent a lot of time. We've been very cold in certain places. Yes. So. Yeah, we really can <laughs> testify the work that it takes to make a film project or a TV series. Very, very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, we're learning that. We're learning 
quite a lot of stuff actually because we're used to tropical climates. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, let's let's, let's 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 change that, Shaq. Yeah. I've gotten used to tropical climates mm-hmm. because I am from here. I was as much a Viking as the next Viking. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I got to tell you, I forgot that swift change into winter is so quick and you just feel it almost straight up. And we're getting a lot of that chill kind of coming through the windows now. And I think it's very cool, like in a sense of it's very cool as a pun. <laughs> it's very cool in the sense that, you know, we're, we're challenging ourselves with this, but you really only have a window in filming in the summer here. It is literally a couple of months. Yeah, so you where, start realizing why people go to places oh, yeah. like LA. Well, you are, you kind of knew that yeah. from a cynical perspective, anyway. Yeah. But now you kind of really, weather. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you kind of really know it now. Um, but at least you know it's not like Hong Kong where you get the tropical, tropical, tropical stuff: rain, sun, and typhoon in one evening. Very intense. So, yeah, enough about the weather. Now on to the main thing, because we were shooting the cinema, we got through that, did a nice wrap up. Therefore, mm-hmm. we have done. Bits and bobs this week, and we're going to have another week like that next week, mm-hmm. kind of finishing things off, winding things down, getting ready for the big finale. Mm-hmm. So television shows, because that's really our topic this week is TV shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a bit of an encyclopedia, but I want you both to bring forth me your best, I'll say two. We don't want to do one, okay? because I think one is quite, yeah, it's quite tough to do. So... Two, two is, is two. What do you like? Best five and um, why? Best five and why? Three, three. Best three, three and why? Okay, okay. We're just counting down. Are we talking live action TV shows or cartoons? Yeah, I or? think. Well, I mean, anything really. I think I. I always like because I think it's one of these age old debates. Here is like a lot of people would three or four years ago probably go you're mad if you think you know an anime series is mm. considered TV. Of course it is, mm. but to us here in the UK. Mm. It's always been something on a laptop, streaming sites mm-hmm. or something like this. We can't really, I mean, very few have been televised yeah. as a series. I think Pokemon was one that was, Dragon yeah. Ball was. Uh, the, obviously, everyone's got the Cartoon Network if you've got a satellite package, but not everyone's got that. Mm-hmm. Freeview, I think, does now. But again, it's very Broad. night and day. Like when we were growing up, we never thought Looney Tunes was a TV series. Of course yeah. it was, yeah. but we never thought that. It was just... It's almost like a, a couple of minutes on the TV. A well, it's shoot. kind of funny because I was just looking up the definition of like what we would call ours, and you've got like different things like mini series yeah. and limited series, mm. and ex- you know, like there's so many uh, platforms and types and genres that it's really quite. You know, mm. I mean, we could just say series here. Yeah. Web episodes, even. Yeah, exactly. You know, web, yeah. Web but I, I feel like um, what we're dealing with, and I'll, I'll just clear the floor up and what we're dealing with now is the exciting time in television television is possibly one of the most evolved things mm-hmm. in the past decade yeah, absolutely. when when you consider we're now lo- not looking at broadcast that the fact that we did stream things on our, our laptop for availability has become the way the world is working so if i wanted to watch a japanese show i'd have to go through a site or a subscription mm-hmm. site to watch it mm-hmm. Now people have clocked onto that thought. They've made up sort of Netflix happened. You know, then you have what we're we're working with Amazon Prime and all of these things are starting to pop up. But the studios are setting their own thing. Television <laughs> networks around the world for on demand here, BBC iPlayer, 
And then you have in the US, you have the Fox, the W, uh, mm. Warner Brothers. You've all got, the on-demand yeah, stuff. Yeah, all yeah. of this stuff. HBO was one of the pioneers of that. So basically, it's a good format. So I feel like it's funny mm-hmm. because what you said was very innocent, but it's actually pretty much a segue. Television, how can it actually be defined? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all online and, and offline. It's, so yeah. It's also like overtaken film, I think. Because in the past, movie stars was mm. like, you know, the top of the top. But now it's like a TV star crossing over, well, you know. In the past, traditionally, television was your platform to become a film yeah. star. It mm-hmm. was almost it like... Was a stepping stone. Yeah, you'd get your break off a soap or a drama long series or a bit part in a crime show or something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that you can show yourself off for a couple of minutes. Nowadays, folks, mm-hmm. and anyone who's in the acting circuit, my advice to you is it's a bit beyond that. Most television now is quite a commitment. Mm-hmm. I would think that... It's interesting, really, because the model has changed. I feel like when you talk about the 80s or whatever, the model in the 80s was like um, you'd have one star, a definite star, and then you could change the cast every week. Be it something like Knight Rider or the A-Team, it was pretty much the top five guys and then interlaced with a multitude of people and then a few regulars would come back. Nowadays, a whole setup is in place got Game of Thrones, you'll have to do auditions just like a movie. They treat a series like a film Mm -hmm. or a series of films, Mm -hmm. you know. Everything's very much managed like that now. Mm -hmm. Um, How Marvel works is it'll lock you into contract for X amount of movies, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're a Marvel star. The television shows are doing the same as a blueprint. So if you were to work on any of the last kind of several years, uh, unlike the X-Files, X-Files is a good one to point out because X-Files at the beginning was the old way of working. Two main stars, a bunch of regulars coming in and out. But every episode was, you know, different, different cast, most episodes. Until the latter years, where you've got 15 stars in the show. It isn't just uh, Fox Mulder and Dana Scully anymore. It's this whole cast, 15 mm-hmm. casts that you're now so used to that mm-hmm. they're, you know, on, on the whole show now. That evolution happened even in the X Files, mm-hmm. so that when the new series came out, it was another mold again that's more modern. I find it's funny. We just just good to set it up this way because you were saying about um, TV, um, you know, being the new movie industry. Yeah, yeah. I think TV has proven um, that it's more profitable mm-hmm. than the movie industry. Mm-hmm. I think that. A lot of times it was considered the B-movie option. It was the B-listers that were in television. They weren't quite good enough to be film actors. Now you've got film actors scrambling at the mass to get on TV. Mm. Funny, isn't it? Yeah. I think TV can be um, uh, seen as more, a little bit more interactive with fans and stuff like that than um, than it would be uh, with film. Because uh, with a film, you make it, it's there, everybody goes and watches it. With a TV show, they'll make a few episodes and then the fans will give their reactions on those episodes and say which characters they like more and which characters they don't really like. And then the next uh, few episodes of that TV show that they'll make, they'll change the character roles or change the prominence of the characters because fans said that they like to see this character more and then uh, yeah. this character. I, I, and I think you're right, Shaq. And I think the other thing that's uh, coming off that point, the bigger picture is also the point that you've got... I would say some of the best writing has been mm. in TV because it's a long time frame. Mm. So a story can be fully explored. And I think I think Hollywood probably got the first inkling when HBO actually launched because HBO was the most daring uh, network mm. 
uh, for TV shows when they started off with Six Feet Under. And mm-hmm. um, as a classic piece, they took a guy that was proven in film, Alan Ball as a writer, this became his project. They put him behind that project, which at the time was ludicrous. He'd never directed or anything like this. Forced that upon him so they could guarantee where their show was going. Gave the creators more control of their show, you see. Mm. And that's one of the hidden things that I think has become now fashion, become almost the way you do it. Yeah. The creator is the, the voice behind the show. Mm-hmm. Before there was always a you know, team of writers mm-hmm that would just be staff writers. And so television had <clears throat> almost an interchangeable feel to it. Film has always consolidated piece of space. Mm. What you're actually understanding as well is when I was little, movies had that extra step. Mm. So for Ghostbusters, for example, when it came out, there's a huge merchandise push. Yeah. And when you went to see it at the cinema, mm. you'd get you know your cup, glow-in-the-dark Coke cup or whatever that matched the film. This is happening less and less. It's happened, I think, last time they did it with the Turtles film. Mm-hmm. I know they did it with Deadpool too. Yes. But basically they're doing things less and less like that, whereas television is something that's um, almost got its own studio store. And it makes me think of something that I know you'll bring up in a bit, but Dexter was one of these things that really pursued the merchandise options that television can have, giving you full immersion. The X-Files had done it prior to that. You know, we've mentioned these in the past. The Simpsons had done that to high heaven. Um, But it really makes the whole thing interactive. But I think Dexter was the first television series that became a must-do group watch with your neighbours and your friends. And you'd have a Dexter launch for that week's episode. Everyone would group together. It'd become a social gathering, Mm -hmm. you know which I don't recall happening for anything but that. Everything else was very personal, but I think a lot of people saw the interactivity, as you were saying, Shaq, mm. with the fact that you could get your neighbours involved. Yeah. Now, don't know about you, but Dexter's not really the show that I would put out there and say, oh, yeah, let's have a Dexter pie. It's all about murder and death and killing. <laughs> awesome. Can I explain why I like it? <laughs> Well, is that like there's there's a massive reason to like it, but yeah, we'll get to that in a sec because I want to do everyone's three best. But yeah. just to finish the point that Shat made mm. and that you made, when I think television's getting exciting because I think the success of things such as the universe, like Marvel and things like this, the reason that it works in a television uh, series is because you can do more of the story, you can give it more depth, you can mm. explore more characters, you can get more angles, you can talk about, you know narratives you're not restricted by the two plus hours you have in film Mm -hmm. and i think that's something people are taking full advantage i'd also like to point out before we go into favorites my final point which is it's funny because the fact that binge watching it's a terminology we all know now yeah has happened so massively Mm -hmm. universally around the world Mm -hmm. every culture you know every nation that it almost defies the fact that people are keep preaching in the media mm. how we're having attention deficit mm. on a high. Yeah. Because we're talking hours upon hours of entertainment now mm. are being binge-watched for a weekend or a week or something like this, just so you stay relevant to your <laughs> mates at school on yeah. the Monday, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because people are watching less movies mm-hmm. and Hollywood stating that it's, you know... This, this attention deficit thing mm. but they're watching more TV series exactly. which goes on if I'm not mistaken for a lot longer yeah 18 plus hours mm. easily yeah 
So isn't that funny? And each TV episode now broadcasted to us on demand, bar animation, bar, um, well, very few things, including our show, but most things are actually an hour long. But if you take the success of Walking Dead as a good example, that has been something that would defy Hollywood's game of telling us that everyone's attention is splitting. I don't believe that's true, Hollywood, because you won't be selling box sets, mm. just so you know. Anyway, now I've all said all my nonsense, ha 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 ha, we get a bit more crazy, and because Wynne is bursting at the seams, <laughs> she's positively going mad. Must be because we're talking about theme parks that turn up in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's got to be. That is going to be part of our title, do you reckon? Oh, yeah, I think, I think so. so. I think so. I think so. Why have you got your headphones on, chat? I do not know if I've got the headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> He's in character. Yeah. By the way, work yeah. better when you plug them in. Just so, just so <laughs> that. Um, um, <laughs> is that what I've been doing wrong all this that time? Is, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like the sea, doesn't it, when they're not plugged in? <laughs> yeah. You've been like, man, you know, mo- most of the albums I listen to are very quiet. <laughs> yeah. I've been whacking the volume. Maybe it's my phone. Maybe I need an upgrade. I don't know. But if, you, uh, if you're out there and you don't have wireless headphones, mm. plug them in. <laughs> Go on, Emwyn. So your three top TV shows. Wait, wait, wait. No, I want to start. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> she just pulled a knife on you. By a knife, I mean an evil look. Yeah. Right. Since I said three, I've regretted it because I keep thinking of more and more. But I'll keep the three. Okay. Keep the three. Uh, but I'm going to explain Dexter first because mm-hmm. it really is. I mean, I would say that the first five seasons are absolutely amazing. The ending is controversial, but I still love it as a whole series. I like the fact that it's an anti-hero of sorts and that it walks that line of morality because you start sympathizing with the bad guy and you kind of question, you know, situations and what is truth, what is right, what is wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like that, you know? Well, it's, I think um, contextually mm-hmm. it's important to point out because obviously you can't predict that everyone in the world seeing this. No. I don't even think that they build him to be a bad guy. I just think they're honest about what he is. I should uh, encapsulate it for anyone who doesn't know Dexter. It's based on a series of books, and it's basically from the perspective of a serial killer. But he's a... Well, it's it's clever because... And I'm, I'm agreeing with you. It's clever because we can't... Because, again, we're trying not to issue spoilers, but yes. I think what, what makes Dexter as a series, especially a first... Mm-hmm. For anyone in the world ever, almost a genre setter in, in itself, mm-hmm. is the fact that it's not depicting good or bad. It's not being moralistic about what he is. It's no. telling you exactly without any subtle, you know, candy cotton cushioned way of saying it. He's a dark dude. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. But I don't think they're raising the, the appeal of that is good or bad. I think they're keeping it very much up to your own perspective where you fall moralistically which is great Mm -hmm. that was the interactive side of dexter because i think everyone that watched that series especially when you watch the showtime thread at the time of the show coming out every week one of the most entertaining things about dexter was a reaction each episode created in its fan base yeah and one thing that everyone was saying man what the hell are they going to do next? Yes. That's your sell point, yeah. right? Like it was such a gripping thing. I think what it also did was it, it, it dared to make you question as a viewer your own sanity about your own morality. Mm-hmm. I think that was really in, 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 intense about Dexter. Yeah. 
a lot of good stuff these days, especially from the Asian perspective in TV, mm-hmm. based on a book, adapted from novels. Yes. But Dexter really did change the novel yeah. formula. Yeah. Like it well, went I went for that route. first because, you know, you mentioned it. Yeah, of course. Um, like I said, I keep thinking of more and more. Um, Go on in. But... You're the two. Don't be greedy. Shaq's going to have a turn to. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do an obscure one next. Of course you are. <laughs> Uh, we wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a Japanese uh, live-action drama okay. called Mr. Nietzsche in the Convenience Store. Okay. I know why this is. All right, yes. Okay. And Available on Crunchyroll. Available on Crunchyroll. Through the drama section. Mm-hmm. Yes. Crunchyroll isn't just for anime like I thought. It is for live-action too. They have, they have limited live-action stuff, yeah. but they have some really good stuff on there. And Nietzsche... At the convenience store. It's quite new. So, yeah. So, yeah. Going from Dexter, this is comedy now. Mm-hmm. Uh, in its most absurdist form, I suppose. And I guess I like it because it's so theatrical in its uh, portrayal. In a way, I think it's kind of like a Japanese absurdist version of Clerks. I do want to set up that it was, before it was made into a thing, as is pretty much standard for every drama in Japan mm. and Asia. Uh, Korea, definitely. I, I think Hong Kong is different. I think there's more original adaptations. But for, um, for Nietzsche, it was a manga. Yes. So a lot, of the quirks, a, a lot of the quirks that you were laughing at, like especially it's a comedy series, everyone, mm-hmm. just so you know, a lot of the quirks are actually directly lifted from a manga, mm-hmm. right? But it's how they did it, isn't it? Yes. So can continue, like Clerks. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want to talk about it too much. It's one of those, if you try it, uh, you might like it or hate it. Mm. It's Vegemite. Well, I think the approach, and it's interesting you say about Clerks, because that was my observation when I was watching it with you as well. It's almost like I feel, and it's really saying this out there to Kevin Smith, if he's ever listening, that it's kind of like Clerks without any formality. It's such a genius put-together thing. And I think Wynn's hit the nail on the head when she said about the theatrical approach. I actually think that's quite standard in comedies coming out of Asia mm-hmm. or any drama. It's very theatrical. Uh, but this is really underfunded. Mm. And you just feel like it's... Um, it's as much fun to make something like that for the guys making it as it is for us watching it. Yes. And they are finding it really hard to keep straight faces. Yeah. yeah. So even even if you want to be entertained by the fact that these guys are laughing at each other, it's a great show. <laughs> if you've got Crunchyroll, go straight now and, and check it out. I agree. It's a very good series. Now your third and final one. Okay, I'm going to say originally I was going to do a Chinese one from yes. my childhood, which is... Demigods and semi devils, but it is like old school, like from the nineties. And I want to be, you know, uh, you don't want to, you don't want to show people that you're a fossil. You want to be hip. I hear what you're saying, Down but, with the kids. <laughs> but I mean, I love Dexter. I for... know where she's going with this. Shaq. Okay. I've had a private bet with myself. Go on, carry yeah. on. I don't think so, but I love Dexter for the story. Mm. I love Nietzsche for the comedy and sort of the style. You couldn't watch Nietzsche without dying laughing after five seconds. And therefore, I don't know how much of the series you actually watch. And my third choice is Daredevil. Yeah. Because of the filmmaking Mm. aspect. Mm -hmm. Netflix's version. Yeah, Netflix's version of Daredevil. I don't think there's been another TV show unless it's animated. 
of Daredevil. But definitely a film. Ben the action sequences in that, to me, are almost perfect. Yeah. So I don't mean to interrupt you every time. I know I'm very enthusiastic with my interruptions, but I'm trying to help sort of sell what you're saying. I'm trying to fill it out a bit for you. Daredevil, just as irrelevant trivia, was possibly the first thing produced by Netflix. That's completely theirs. Mm. That's their property, you know. Someone can argue that with me, but I think for a TV series, it was definitely one of the first things they ever made. Mm -hmm. But the thing that makes Daredevil quite brilliant, if you're a film nerd, like we are, Wim, we make one film nerd. There are people more nerdy (laughs) than us as an individual, but we combined are quite the film nerd. Mm -hmm. So the thing that I find quite interesting is from setup, they had a massive property that could have failed incredibly because mm-hmm. of the uh, Ben Affleck film that I just mentioned to Shaq, yeah. which did bomb yeah. big time. Nearly killed Ben Affleck's career kind of bombing. The lecture, the uh, unofficial sort of, well, it was a sequel, but it wasn't connected to Daredevil, um, which also didn't fare well. They had a lot to, to recover from. Now... Not only did they do the comic book service by going to where I think the most popular vision of the comic, which is the Miller comic, the same sort of thing as with Batman movies that Nolan did. They went to the darker source of it. Now, Frank Miller, this is. And basically with a Daredevil um, look, they not only got that mood, they went darker than any film I think Marvel have put out there. It was clearly a... Well, this is us going adult, dark, mm. you know, this is blood, guts, and gore that you ain't going to get in the Avengers, pal. Unless it's CG or mm. robotic or something mm. like this. So you get a darker universe, which is always a good start because a lot of people were screaming at it for that. I think the content, though, that was truly clever, the casting was exceptionally mm-hmm. well done. Fantastic. But they used a hell of a lot of influence from a lot of hip cult recent Asian action stroke thriller films. The fight stuff that you are talking about is almost, if not completely, and I don't think they've stated it themselves, but I think that there's been a couple of nods towards this direction from the producers. Old Boy. There is a Korean movie out there called Old Boy, part of the Park Chan-wook Vengeance trilogy. It's lifted stylistically Almost the first series of Daredevil has that corridor sh- uh, fight. Parallel, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> right. Like no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was totally lifted. Definitely inspired by, if not completely ripped off from, Old Boy. But it did them a service because you've got this grainy, dark narrative. It worked. And mm-hmm. it really fit it. Now, they didn't just stop there, though, did they? No. Because in the second series, they made it an icon of the Daredevil thing. This is where it came into its own. Yeah. You had the stairway, yeah, right. It was the it was the and a perspective, one, yeah, yeah. Uh, it felt like a one take, yeah, yeah. shot. When yeah. he's walking up the stairwell, that literally gave them the right to say, "Well, we might have done something that you've seen before in the first one, but now we own it." Mm-hmm. And Daredevil has literally been grafted around that kind of love mm-hmm. and care to detail that sells the series of. I wonder which fight sequence they're going to have this series. Yeah. Literally just that. But yeah. the whole thing is so meticulously done. And, you know, the lead uh, lead guy who's playing Daredevil, Charlie Cox, is absolutely fair play British. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Woo to British actors. 
really, really stepped into that role and it is unbelievable. I think also what was brave about that series is the introduction of the Punisher in series two. Now, I'm going to say nothing anymore from that if you haven't seen this stuff because they are masterfully crafted in a Marvel Universe on Netflix right now. Possibly the best thing on Netflix, if I'm honest. One of the things that um, I found most interesting as well with, in, in terms of the Daredevil fight scenes was the fact that um, in too many fight scenes that I've seen, like TV shows and their films and stuff like that, the main character doesn't often seem to get tired. Right. Whereas um, yeah. in Daredevil's fight scenes, especially in the corridor, you could see him getting slower, a little bit more sluggish. He has to sit down for a second before he fights yeah. again. And I love that. It mm-hmm. makes it feel more real. Well, I, I the think, pace is very... Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think what Shaq points out uh, is the naturalism. Yes. I think that's what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And the naturalistic side of the character of Daredevil is never... I was saying this to you. The thing that's been really impressive, not only with Daredevil, you know, the Punisher that's coming out, and also Luke Cage, which was incredible. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage was like a throwback to Spike Lee movies, good Spike Lee movies. When I was a kid, um, the original stuff Spike Lee threw out, mm-hmm. it was really a throwback to that kind of genre. Yeah. Uh, I always thought Devil in a Blue Dress, Denzel Washington, all this stuff uh, mm-hmm. was coming to my mind when I was watching that. Not necessarily Spike Lee, but that era of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And um, what I what I take from Daredevil in the naturalistic stuff is not only is he... Not invincible. Yeah. Not like, exactly. you know, the Captain Americas, the Thors. He's very much almost at death's door every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, 100%. you've got that character of Rosario Dawson's coming in as a cameo as a nurse who's yeah. a famous character in the comics as well. But when she's patching him up, it's like every single time she's like, you're going to die soon, yeah. pal. And you don't get that even in Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we always get Alfred going like, what are you doing, Bruce? Well, <laughs> you're crazy, Bruce. I don't know why he's banged, but he sounds like, could be. Um, but basically, like, you're always getting that. You got that nod that Chris Nolan did at the end of Dark Knight Rises. You got that nod, which is, again, part of the comic books narrative. But you've got Daredevil, who's a flawed superhero mm. in a notoriously very bad place, mm. you know classically speaking not so much anymore very hip place in new york now house kitchen <laughs> but i loved that part of it i think it's it's like they underplayed the superheroes in all of the superhero stuff they're pulling out Je- jennifer uh jessica. <laughs> jessica jones jennifer jones <laughs> she's someone totally different uh, jessica jones uh they did the same with her she's got the powers but it's flawed mm. she's not quite sure how to use them luke cage dude's pretty much indestructible again He's flawed. It's very clever. They've mapped out the, the world in a way that is super clever. Juxtapose that mm-hmm. to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. which has actually, when it started, was all cartoon, campy, kind of Buffy the Vampire Slayer sort of humour. Now it's starting to reflect on the Daredevil Netflix universe a bit more. It's becoming more edgier. I think that's great. Definitely. I think it's a good thing. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is fantastic, by the way, as well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a lot more universally friendly, I feel, than Daredevil. Daredevil. Just want to tell parents out there, just be mindful when you're letting your teenage kids um, who haven't reached the right age watching Daredevil. Uh, just be careful with that because it isn't, you can't just fob it under the carpet and say, yeah, it's another, it's another comic book film, mm-hmm. especially with recent things in the recent news. I don't want to highlight them too much, but with the character, the Punisher, especially in Daredevil 2, uh, season two of it, just be mindful. Mm-hmm. You should review it first and then then determine if it's worth you know spreading. Of course, parents, 
will always say, well, my kids will do anything they want these days. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, be, be careful. So, uh, last question before you move on. Oh, yes. Back. Was your bet correct to yourself? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because oh. I know what you're trying to do. Liter- <laughs> literature student. Because <laughs> I was going to go for Breaking Bad, actually. That was my next Yeah, option. well, don't ruin it for no. Shaq. Okay. He, might, he might turn around and say, yeah, I, I wanted that, you, <laughs> you, you idiot. <laughs> so, Shaq, the floor is yours. Okay. You're going to say a lot of things that no one but you knows about. Go. <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> Um, so because I spoke so much about uh, anime uh, on the previous podcast mm-hmm. uh, everybody knows that I love anime I won't this time <laughs> instead I will speak about uh, live action TV shows that I yeah, really yeah. really standard, love standard mm-hmm. television yes yeah, definitely so um, the one at the top of my list and it's always going to be at the top of my list it has to be and it might be a weird one it has to be House House uh, okay. okay I love love that TV series. I must have watched the whole thing about four times now. I absolutely love it. I love how dark of a character Hugh Laurie makes House be. Mm. I love how how everybody has to kind of um, tiptoe around him because they know how much of a super genius he is and they know that he can actively save lives given the right sort of... Uh, yeah, circumstances. Uh, circumstances, yeah. yeah. And surroundings as well. He can't be around anybody that... Well, he can be around people that challenges him, but he has to be. They have to challenge him in a certain way because it makes him think in a different way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of times that he's spoken to his friend uh, Wilson about anything, just anything about what's going on, and it's given him an epiphany about how he can save his patient. Okay. Um, things like that. The way he interacts with his team, the way he literally insults and berates everybody, but it makes them somehow better mm-hmm. because of that. I love that about the TV show and how would the person that hated him the most, actually ended up being with him for mm. a little while, you know, without spoiling too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, He's given uh, us a cliff note. <laughs> he, um, he, as a character, was something that I never thought was ever supposed to be possible, as a well, especially being a I'll doctor. tell you something that might accelerate your vision on that in a minute, but mm. I want to hear I want to hear your next one. Next one, I don't know if too many people are going to know about this one. It's um, a show called Lie to Me. Um, it's done by another British actor, Tim Roth. Um, <clears throat> he's oh, yeah. yeah. Lie to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's at the um, very forefront of it. I'm still angry at Fox for cancelling that, but mm. there you go. Um, it was about a kind of psychologist or uh, someone in that sort of field where he he was able to... He studied for years and been to uh, many different countries studying this. And he's basically able to read somebody's face mm-hmm. and tell if they're human lying. lie detector. Exactly, yeah. the human lie detector. The way they uh, based the show around him was that he could tell what anybody was lying about, but he could never switch it off. Mm-hmm. So it meant that any of his close family members, friends, like it, there was actually a scene where his ex-wife got really angry with him because every time she'd try and uh, plan a surprise birthday for him. He'd be able to figure it out almost instantly <laughs> because um, he'd realise yeah, that she's... Yeah, um, the deduce, yeah. Exactly, mm. exactly. So, All right, um, we got to... Because I don't want to oh, ruin the story sorry. for people. <laughs> like, you're so passionate. No, the, you're the, telling the us premise narrative. is really good. Yeah. Like, I haven't well, seen a lot there's of a, there's, a big fan. There's also a pan yeah. forming that is going to freak out when I link it all together. Go on, your third one. Okay. This is where it all goes pear-shaped to my theory. <laughs> and he says Teletubbies, isn't it? I love Teletubbies. It's just the way they dance. It's oh, just cool. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. Um, this one is one that I've started watching fairly recently, but the writing on it is something that I've... It's astounding. The writing on it is amazing. Um, it's a show called Luther. 
Yeah, that show exactly. Yeah. Uh, Idris Elba stars in it. Another British actor, which I'm beginning to to, to realize I've got a sort of uh, affinity towards for some reason. Well, it's, it's your culture, brother. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's where we are. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah, definitely. But um, Luther is basically uh, based around well, how they marketed it on um, BBC um, right at the beginning was a character that uh, he was a detective. He um, he solved crimes and you know he saved people, but he was flawed in the sense that he had anger management issues. So when things got really, really bad for him in terms of being angry, he would fly off the rails. He wouldn't think straight and yeah. he'd do things that he yes. was, wasn't supposed to be do as yeah. a policeman. All right, so I'm going to link everything you just said and tell you a big reveal on all of them. Because, <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I think you made yeah. some good options there. Good theme it? song as well. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. yeah, yeah uh, mass, Massive Attack. Yeah. Uh, Paradise Circus is the theme song mm. to Luther, if anyone cares. <laughs> um, it's also Teardrop. Another massive attack is House's theme song. Yeah. So you've got <laughs> so you've got the, that link. Yeah. There's that link. Yeah. Um, the odd one out is lie to me. But I will say that House is actually an adaptation of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that you have a very Sherlock Holmes character in Lie to Me, and that you have a very flawed and very alternative Sherlock Holmes in Luther. Yeah. So what basically you are saying is. I, I like Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> so w- one thing I will say, because I just wanted, to, there's a few points I wanted to help you pad it out a bit. House yeah. being a show that very few people left on this earth do not know. Mm-hmm. Um, it was incredible uh, to see Hugh Laurie jump through that hoop because yeah. he's always been a uh, household comedian to us Brits here yeah. in, in the UK. Um, to see him do that kind of drama and hold his own mm. and what he's done subsequently uh, has been Nothing short of mind blown, and he's yeah. always been that guy. I think he's always been immensely underrated talent. That's just suddenly he's our he's our Brian Cranston man. Mm-hmm. He's our yeah. you know what I mean. He's very much that guy to the UK. Yeah, taking Luther because I wanted to add a few things to that. Luther, it was really quiet when it came out. Mm, it was. Like, it was a sort of similar era as Misfits the first season mm. came out. It was one of these times where everyone was doing alternatives. They were trying to do the edgier thing. Grungy. Yeah. Grungy, yeah. urban yeah. darkness. One thing I think, because Idris is very together with the production side of it. He's very much involved in the creative process of Luther. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that really, really impresses in that film, it's not a uh, series, I should say, because it's, it's edging towards film. Yeah. But basically, one thing that always impressed me about that series, it's very standard on paper, a cop show in the UK. We've seen a lot of them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from Midsummer Murder. In fact, there was a time <coughs> where our television was defined by murders, mm. like literally, who done it? Yeah, and we had a lot of old bats trying to solve cases in the countryside, and a lot of who weren't at police. They were just nutters mm. who would love to solve crime by writing poetry or something <laughs> stupid. I went round for tea, and someone died, and I figured it out. That kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a lot of you know community cop shows. We had a lot of city cop shows, but nothing has had the appeal, and it is really good to point this out the appeal or the depth or the darkness that Luther hits mm. because you have an incredibly flawed human being, mm-hmm. which is the character he plays with one of the biggest hearts within the show mm. and righteousness and honor. Mm. He's a flawed human, but he is the most honorable human, you know, mm. but it's also a very clever play, almost edging to a sense of metaphysical or occult. 
because there's a lot of things that I thought they suggest within the show where it edges like he's dancing with the devil, you know, mm. as a metaphor. Mm. Won't ruin anything because it's kind of suggested along the show that that's going on. But you never see it. It's never revealed to be this kind of supernatural element to it. They mm. do skip and dance around it quite a lot. I think it's also an incredible narrative for London to have because it's showing you what London looks like from a very real perspective, not the tourism perspective, not what you want to see in London, yeah. not the chase and Jack the Ripper, the Victorian era, the, you know, the current metropolitan era or whatever. It's actually showing you urban, realistic, gritty, East End London, yeah. right? And I think that it's quite an incredible show. I mm -hmm. think it's great that you pointed that out because mm -hmm. that's a game changer is that TV series mm -hmm. as well, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've just said that it took me this long to actually really, because I always heard of Luther and I always um, heard people talking about Luther and I was like, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. But, well, I think that you did it right because yeah. sometimes it's something that you really have to mature into as well because mm -hmm. when, if I'd have seen it back when it first aired, mm -hmm. I don't think it would have hit me, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, as much as it did it's almost one of these shows that you best take advantage of when you've got like that little clip of time yeah a yeah. week or so free mm -hmm. and you can do it yeah that's actually what happened exactly <laughs> exactly it's one of those that comes in and creeps in and it's always on everyone's playlist but you have to make time for yeah it. you have to make time for it because it is very harrowing it's very hard hitting yeah so um, you really need to dive into it. You can't just like watch a little bit of it and then go away and do something else. You correct. need to dive yeah. into it. You have to really, really go. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty much one of them concrete mm -hmm. jobs. It's great though. And mm -hmm. it's very much in the vein of when we say in stuff like Misfits or something like that, it's in the vein of the grit of it, mm -hmm. the, the truth of it. It's mm -hmm. very honest, but it's also extremely special because Luther isn't trying to be hip. It's trying to be brutal. Yeah. And it's, it's very dark. Yeah. That is for sure. Yeah, it does its best to try and make you think that something's going to happen. Yeah. And something else happens. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, and you think, whoa, what, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Twist and turns, but yeah. very human story. Yeah. yeah and Idris literally should win every single award for it under the sun. Fantastic. And then some. Absolutely so, fantastic actor. So Idris, out there. Uh, we, you, all, we all think you're, you're awesome. ever listening Dude. to this podcast, Idris, please, please hit <coughs> me up, man. Or, 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 or be the next James Bond. Just do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd love, I'd, I think it would be an incredible day of the year mm. forever mm. if Idris gets James Bond. Mm. I'd do. It's, it, it would be incredible. Yeah. And it would show you how we can progress. Mm. in our mm. worlds and our perspectives but I think it would be amazing and he'd do a great job he yeah. really would I mean um, you've got the uh, I don't know if we should be saying this or not but um, you've got the uh, female Doctor Who mm -hmm. that's been uh, shown now a lot for, for some reason there was a lot of uproar because of that but I was like well oh. I think um, uh, like I was saying the, the, the edge is this okay yeah. so when something has been say if something's been authored if something's mm. been created mm. Um, and that creation is is gospel because number one the writer is not alive anymore, or um, it's just an institution. Do you see what I'm saying? If it's that, then I can understand why people have a problem. If it just becomes Bond, it's not necessarily how it's written at all. It's completely 
paradoxical. Well, you have to almost. ignore the context of the original. Yeah, books, but know. however, there are so many theories that Fleming was designing a character to just be a code name, have different looks and different guys and different mm-hmm. things and this, this and this. The one thing they had to be was male. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there should be more controversy aimed at if they turn James Bond into say Jane Bond, which was also a room at the time. Yeah. That would be controversial because then you're creating a whole new character. Yeah. Now, again, it's it's a massive evolution, but that's almost what they're doing with Ocean's Eleven. They've changed the format and they've they've done it in a clever way to show that it's now a woman's story in Ocean's Eight. There you go. But Bond is quite dangerous territory to, to mess around with. However, I think Idris Elba falls into the category because he is representing his nation, you mm-hmm. know. And that's one of the precursors. I had more problem, I feel, growing up when, say, you had an Australian actor or an American actor even thinking about playing Bond. Mm -hmm. It should be a British actor. That's the only precursor I've got. Mm -hmm. And I think Idris would... I think he would shine a light onto that story that Bond is a codename, and I think it would give Bond to the next generation. It would really run with it, because right now they're struggling to tap. They've almost, like I said, created an infinite loop in a narrative of it with Mm -hmm. Daniel Craig i.e. they did so well to re-establish the Bond character in Casino Royale, strip him down, make him realistic, make it less campy, less, you know, mm-hmm. naff, kind of what the Roger Moore ones were very campy and all this stuff. You've, you've established it beyond Austin Powers, which is a direct parody that almost is what Bond was, yeah. <laughs> you know. And then by the end of Daniel Craig's run in the last one, Inspector, they're trying to re-establish the camp, but do that in a new way. So they've blown up the realistic MI6 build, and that's gone. Now they've put it back into the old set. Now you've got Ralph Fiennes as the original M. You've got, you know, it's all coming back full circle, including the villain. Is the old villain from the Sean Connery's day reapproached? I think that's an infinite loop. If Bond stopped today, everything you've just seen in the last sort of you know 50, 60 years of Bond will make total sense. It begins and ends in the same location. Mm -hmm. But now if you're going forwards, what do you do? You reinvent George. You reinvent the bad guys. Odd jobs reinvented. No, don't do that. Please don't do that. What we want to see is a different direction, and I think Idris would provide that. So it's just a debate for a different day. That's my thoughts. Adaptation is a fine line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, but with Doctor Who, I think people were unnecessarily annoyed by it because, again, Doctor Who is genderless, you know he's a time lord he changes guys I'm surprised it hasn't happened 50 times already if I'm honest you know Joanna Lumley did it for a comic relief show so it's been around you know Rowan Atkinson shared the role with Joanna Lumley it's nothing new they've done stuff like that they they dabbled with it with a master and Missy you know as a character in Doctor Who why the hell not you know in fact I'm surprised again like what would blow my mind if Idris doesn't get bombed Mm -hmm. here's Doctor Who Settles. Why not? Yeah, or Robin or Robin Hood or something like this. Something <laughs> national. I don't mm-hmm. care, man. Like the guy should be allowed and I think the flexibility is really the character is British. That's as far as I'll mm-hmm. leave it. As far as Doctor Who, I don't think there's any legitimate law. Anyone can play him. Uh, even a dog could play Doctor Who. You can <laughs> you could do the voice actor. Why not? <laughs> oh, I'm, re- I'm reanimated as a freaking dog that can talk. Epic. It'd be Stuart from Family Guy. Awesome. Anyway, it's your turn. Mm. It is my turn. I've just ranted and ranted and ranted. Okay, I'm going to tell you the three things that I think recently 
change the game because I don't think I can state my favorites. I've already mentioned a few of my favorites being the X-Files and stuff like this. Game changers. One game changer that comes to mind straight away in, if you're British, Broadchurch. From production to the way they tackled the circumstances of the show to the way that it was interactive, it was groundbreaking. I have never seen a show that does, for example, a full sweep of a house coming in through one room into the back room to show crisis, to show desperation, to show distance, to show that everyone's abandoned where they live, the whole town's an upturn. It's, it's, a, it's a film student's dream, Broadchurch. But it was also that they tackled something that we all see on the news, headline. Yeah. And they made it one of the most harrowing, real experiences from every perspective I've ever seen. Again, you had a flawed policeman, but you also had a very non-flawed policeman partnering with them. And you just see strength and weakness and strength and weakness and communities breaking and and it's it's got all the it's got everything. It's got the kind of twelve angry men, it's got the you know what I mean? Everyone thinks they're in this perfect habitat and it world turns on its head. It's fantastic. Really is. As far as a genre piece, it's world class. That's that's world class. That one I was surprised with. I mean I love tragedy, but that was also so claustrophobic and it's just like well it, that again, feeling that harrowing yeah. feeling really stays with you and that's you know it's, it's affecting story it's also too. i think the thing that helps it out is one thing that that literally blew my mind and i'm going to say a quick hello there to my godmother who lives down this part of the world but in dorset uk you've got some of the most jaw-dropping beautiful scenery mm-hmm. this planet has simple as that no debate You've got the cliff edge, you've got, you know, it basically is incredible views. You got everything that's British, but you got a bit more, you know. Um, now, I think what is amazing about that show is you set it in what can only be seen as paradise for anyone watching it. Mm-hmm. And you turn paradise on its head. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like one of the most realistic series I've seen. I will say this is predominantly the first series. The second series, debatable. There is a third series in a way I haven't seen yet. So I will leave those two for another time. But I think that series one of Broadchurch was literally a game changer to me. I will say the second thing, because I'm actually leaving my overall best of all time till the third. My second thing as far as game changing, would be Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. And I think that I will point out that Breaking Bad, just like Better Call Saul, I can't separate the two. They are one and the same in genius and in brilliance and everything. The passion, incredible. I think that Breaking Bad does the best of Indies in its film work. So it's very much off kilter, very much kind of quirky in its shots and its stylization. But my goodness, the acting in that. If you ever want to see what acting should be like, a 101, if you're ever in theatre school, if you're ever in drama school, no matter where you are in the world, Breaking Bad is flawless. Mm -hmm. There is not one character in that show that doesn't blow your mind legitimately as an actor. They are flawed characters. You might want to smash their head against the wall. That is why they're doing their job right. There is not one person alive that can say... There's bad acting in Breaking Bad. If if they did, the whole world would stab them. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Yeah. With carrots. Because you can't use weapons, kids. <laughs> and Breaking Bad is a tour de force with Brian Cranston. Because 
having seen that guy seriously just he was in the X-Files as bit parts he's been in loads of things as extras going through his career when he was in Malcolm in the Middle he blew my mind with his comedy he was so great to be dubbed TV's Homer Simpson non-animated Homer Simpson is a hard thing and he really was it mm. in a very unique way to Brian Cranston to then see him mm-hmm. playing the character Walter White my goodness I mean that is a testament no wonder essentially he's almost the male and American Helen Mirren he's a guy that's really come into his own that is considered acting royalty and God bless him because he deserves that mm. on a lesser note that people don't really talk about as much now Aaron Paul man what a legend he was mm. You know, this is a guy that literally, again, he came from relatively nothing. The guy is, that that role is is up there with Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, you know, Jesse in, in Breaking Bad. We all yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. We'll all think of the, the certain word that he says. Yeah. Female dog. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to be sensitive yeah. here. I, I, I haven't even watched the uh, show properly and I heard about that. Oh, <laughs> man. I was well, like, what? <laughs> but it's just the, the, the characterization. There's so much hyperactivity coming from that, dude. Yeah. I will say to you, Shaq, like Breaking Bad, you have to prepare to give yourself a week mm. of your life dedicated to it mm. because it is that damn good. Um, without Breaking Bad, I do not think you would have had the grit and daredevil. You mm. wouldn't have had the approach. Yeah, It's a game changer. It really is. But here's the thing, and this is the one thing you'd never hear me saying because I could tell you about anime till I'm blue in the face. Mm. I could tell you series, all this stuff. The one series predominantly that rules television completely. And again, I am only up to season six. Forgive me, folks out there, because you will probably want to kill me uh, because you're all obsessed uh, weekly watchers. I missed the opportunity and I'm waiting for the Blu-rays because this thing is worth owning and it's worth re-watching a thousand billion times. Mm. And that is Game of Thrones. And I, if you'd have asked me that five years ago, I would have said, no, that'd be <laughs> stupid. No, I wouldn't watch that. <laughs> I was skeptical about Game of Thrones because I have a really big anti-ethos when everyone's like, oh, it's the best thing ever. Oh, it's the best. It's the greatest thing in the world. Oh yeah, you got to watch it. And it's merchandise mental and everything I click on has a picture of it or mm. something like this for the longest longest time I didn't and it's stupid because it's my favourite genre mm. being the fantasy genre mm. however Game of Thrones is like the best TV show for the simple reason it it literally is exactly not what you think it is it's so human it's so real and it is so epic I have never, even Breaking Bad didn't do this. I get absorbed in good TV. We all do. But I have never watched a scene with my jaw slacked in awe, looking at it going, no freaking way. I have never done that before. And Game of Thrones has done that to me several times. It's that damn good. Mm. I wasn't expecting to be. If you'd have told me how it's a fantasy series, I have, and I'm not being weird, I can afford to say this, I think, but I have always had a problem with the American interpretation of fantasy. Always had a problem with it because I'm Tolkien's boy, you know, and being from the shires and the countryside, mm. 
I see what Tolkien saw. I see the hours of pixies and stuff in my garden. I see them. Not literally. <laughs> the guys in white will turn up. No, um, I see them and I've imagined that and I've always thought that way and I've been super passionate about fantasy forever. No, Game of Thrones is not that. Game of Thrones is so much beyond that. It's almost like if you like The Walking Dead, it does it better. If you like Breaking Bad, it does it better. If you like anything like Dynasty from the 80s, it does it better. It's just insane. And I got to six. And yeah, like even the, we were talking about Narnia yeah. last time in the BBC mm. series of it. It does it better. Mm. There is so much love in that show. And I feel the fact that it has walked from the books has done it service. No, no offense to George. I'm literally saying it because I think it has done its service. It's it's the guys who are making this TV show know what they're doing. They're so passionate about the world they're creating. It is fantastic. Mm. It really is. Mm. And I think there's got to be a subcategory because to link into that, I just want to say they're my picks. Mm. But I finally want to bring something up because it's been a trend. And because it's TV, I like to look at trends, especially for the guys at home who might not see this. There's been a trend recently on the metaphysical world being brought into our normal world. There is Lucifer that did this, which is uh, uh, basically a Neil Gaiman book. American Gods, which is also a Neil Gaiman book. Well, comic. Uh, sorry, Lucifer is based within the Sandman comics as a character in the comic books, and then the book is American Gods. Then you've got the third one, which I am desperately trying to think of, Preacher, okay, which is a, a, a comic, okay, British created mm -hmm. now the common thread on this is that you've got what if things were just as normal so if things from heaven just look like us and things from hell just look like us walking down the street you'd never know the difference and then when you go to that place it's very real it's about repetition the ideas of borrowed preacher and lucifer have the same idea about how mm -hmm. that it's repeating your worst ever memory or something like it's this a personal hell correct mm -hmm. And then you've got American Gods. I wanted to mention American Gods because you mentioned Demigods and Semi-Devils, yes. which is a very classic wuxia story in China. In I Chinese, think... it's Tinong Thank you. I couldn't have said that. <laughs> but I've seen that series, and I love that series too, as a televised series. I haven't read the books, obviously. But American Gods, to me, is the Western. Neil Gaiman probably knows he's doing it because he re he's incredible researcher and he works a lot with Terry Pratchett it's big fantasy does a lot of steam punk kind of uh, crazy weird stuff but his interpretation of that kind of uh, gods amongst men mm -hmm. is second to none and I feel like American Gods is literally the western interpretation of semi-gods uh, is that right semi-gods and uh, demi-gods and Demi semi-gods semi my goodness I always get those things mixed but <laughs> It's easier in Chinese, believe it or not, is it? It's actually not even a literal. No, it's it's not not at all. <laughs> but uh, American Gods just throw it out there as a last minute segue. Um, it's so worth it. It's in the same vein as Legion, which was another series that came out earlier last year, basically loosely connected to the X Men universe. No one really sees that in Legion because they don't see superhero film. It's so absurd and abstract, you might hate it. Mm. But stylistically, it's one of the best put-together television shows ever. Mm. And American Gods is similar. All right. So American Gods, if you haven't seen it, find it now. It's on Amazon Prime. 
Very much worth it. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's on broadcast at AMC in the USA, I believe. It might not be. Someone's going to rectify that. I know Preacher definitely is. I think these things are becoming popular because everyone's looking at myth. They're, they're trying to naturalize their beliefs. And I think that's quite healthy. Um, I also think they're really fun, especially if you're even interested in remotely uh, folklore mm-hmm. and legends and mm-hmm. uh, tribe gods and, and pagan gods, etc. American Gods is fantastic, really different and super special. A lot of surprises. Mm. Cool. But again, it could be too absurd for some. It's quite hard to follow, a bit like Legion was. If you're stylistic, you're into that and you like depth, watch it for you. If you want to watch something to just chill out in your bed and go to sleep, do not watch it. It no. will give you nightmares. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> At least it will change the way you think forever. Yeah. Everyone good? So yep. we've got through it all. Everyone's favorite TV talks a bit about the business of TV. This is fantastic. We've got through it. Thanks for your favorites. I appreciate hearing about it. I like the links to Sherlock Holmes. Thank you for yours. I'm surprised I didn't say Sherlock. You might want to watch that. Um, thanks for yours, Win, and mine are just what they are. Uh, I'm done, so I'll leave it to Win for the wrap-up. Any questions, comments, find us on facebook.com forward slash maildemon, M-A-I-L-D-E-M-O-N, or Twitter, our handle is Project F-I-A.